everybody. Scott Bowden and Brian Last right along ringside and ready to go with another big day of Kentucky Fried Wrestling. Uh, we hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and we trust that you sliced and carved your turkey with the artistry of Julie Duke and his trusty axe and then took the time to savor your bird with the elegance of Man Mountain Link gnawing on the raw chicken during a live Memphis TV broadcast. That's the way we do it at our house. Never failing to create special family memories. Because that's what the holidays are really all about, family. And Brian, today we're going to discuss one of the greatest families in Memphis history, Jimmy Hart's infamous heel stable, the first family of professional wrestling, baby! That's right, Scott. Since it's a special time of year for families everywhere, today we are going to leapfrog from the groovy 70s of the WHBQ years to the awesome 80s on Channel 5 WMC-TV when Jimmy Hart turned on his helpless friend Jerry Lawler, who had broken his leg. But Hart wouldn't go at it alone. Hart would immediately crown a new king to help him lead the first family. Ooh, I can already tell this is going to be the greatest day of my life, baby. We'll be right back with that coronation of the new Memphis Monarch of the Mat right after this message. Juicy hamburgers. If you've ever had a dry, chewy hamburger, you're gonna love Wendy's hot and juicy hamburgers. Wendy's hot and juicy hamburgers. Juicy meat, juicy toppings, and lots of napkins. Yes, nothing beats a juicy Wendy's hamburger, especially when you're traveling on the road. But who needs extra napkins when you can have a Jim Cornette burger towel? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be more functional, Brian? It is the hottest item this holiday season, it seems. Well, primarily because of Jim plugging it nonstop on the experience and the drive through But as many people know, you were recently on the Jim Cornette experience two weeks in a row. And we had a lot of talk about Memphis wrestling and specifically something I brought up, which was a question for you and Jim what is your favorite iteration of Jimmy Hart's first family? Yeah, which is uh, a really hard thing to ponder because I mean, it's like asking me, you know, who's my favorite child, which would be hard for me to answer because I, I have no children. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and sometimes my wife and I will get into an argument and she'll somehow bring up this unborn child that we, that we're going to have one day. Uh, but at any rate, um, I would have to say, uh, you know, I, I kind of mentioned the Spring 81 family, but uh, but really, you know, the first family's lineage can be traced uh, to January 1980 when the muzzle was finally lifted off Jimmy Hart and uh, the former gentry proceeded to utter the most infamous words, perhaps in the history of Memphis wrestling. Let's listen to that clip right now. No, some of you may not know, but I will tell you right now that... Uh... Uh, an unfortunate accident befell Jerry the King Lawler, the world heavyweight champ, uh, in that he broke... news for you today, Jimmy. Lance. Okay. big news, baby! Okay, Jim. Uh, in, in the fact that uh, Lawler did break his leg. He broke both bones about six inches below the knee in the right leg. And uh, a major event. Now, I don't, I, don't, I don't think any of us deny, maybe this man will deny about the tactics that Lawler uses and that sort of thing. But still, he did break his leg. It was an unfortunate thing, and as obviously a great wrestler in the background. We've asked uh, Jimmy, who long before he became the manager, as a matter of fact, was probably Lawler's closest friend and confidant, 
He uh, he's, it was at ringside before he ever became a manager because of his genuine interest in there. We've called him a cheerleader because he's there rooting Lawler on, of course, in the role of manager. Uh, he has been more active, if you know what I mean, in the in the campaign of Lawler. But nobody, I think, is any closer to Jerry. And uh, regardless of what our personal feelings on it, we wanted to uh, go to, uh, so to speak, the horse's mouth and find out from Jerry's closest friend uh, what the conditions uh, of Jerry Lawler and his broken leg, uh, Jimmy. Are you finally through? Are you through? It's right. Jerry Lawler broke his leg. Big deal, man. Big deal. You know who broke his leg? I'm telling everybody. Jerry Calhoun, baby. Jerry Calhoun broke the man's leg. But listen, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Listen, let me ask you something, man. If you have a prize racehorse, a thoroughbred, a champion, and he breaks his leg, what do you do to him? What do you do to him, Lance? You shoot him, right? Jerry Lawler is no good to me anymore. He can't make me any more money, baby. He can't make me any more money. The future is now. Wow. If you have a prize racehorse, a champion, a thoroughbred, and he breaks his leg, what do you do to him? You shoot him! You shoot him, don't you? Oh, and that line, <laughs> that line was actually fed to Jimmy Hart by Jerry Jarrett. They called an emergency meeting in Lexington when they got word that uh, their thoroughbred, their stud, Jerry Lawler, had broken his leg in a football game. Jerry Jarrett had attended one of these football games and said, Man, you gotta stop this. I mean, the way it's supposed to—it was supposed to be touch football, but they were—they were, they were tagged. He said it was like a, just like a, a a shoot. You know, they were just playing uh, incredibly rough, and it ended up being Jerry Calhoun, Jerry the Crippler Calhoun, who broke his leg when Lawler's cleat got stuck, uh, and I think it's some—it was a frozen patch of mud. They said you could just hear the snap all over the park. Uh, but anyway, they called this meeting, and Jarrett said, "Jimmy." We're going to put all the heat on you, and all the heels are going to be with you to get over, and you're going to have to carry the show. And it was almost as if Jimmy Hart were just waiting for this moment, because really, he had not uttered more than a few words in any promo, because he was out there with Lawler, who was in his prime in 1979, cutting some of the best heel promos of his career. This led to the crowning of a new king, and it wasn't until you might think Because really, up until this point, Hart was just managing Lawler and Jimmy Valiant. It was rare to have Lawler and Valiant both his heels at the same time. And he seemed to be the heir apparent. But Jimmy Hart stunned everyone when he selected, well, a muscled mid-carder from Minnesota. Let's go to that clip right now. Okay, we're going to get him out here. Handsome Jimmy Valiant. Uh, Well... <laughs> this is not handsome Jimmy Valiant. Yeah, boy, uh... you can dress so way up, but it still don't help him out, does it, Lance, huh? Uh-huh. Didn't I tell you something special was gonna happen today, didn't I? Yeah. Well, yeah, baby, the time has come right now because it's time for Jimmy Hart to crown the new king of professional wrestling right now. I know everybody's been waiting for it. I know you've been they, waiting for I it. I can no, see Dave's they've been, been holding her breath. But I've got yeah. a few things I'm gonna put over here by old Dave. Now, Dave, I know Lance can't sing, so I had to bring a little music myself. So when I give you the word, will you punch the button, man, so we can have a little music when I bring the new uh, king of professional wrestling out here? What is it? You're going to crown a Hey, it's a Jimmy Hart show. That's what it is. I want you to listen to me. You know, I've got three men in my stable, like I said earlier. The Iranian assassin, Paul Ellering, and handsome Jimmy Valiant, the seventh heavyweight champion, baby. Well, right now, it's time to crown the new king of wrestling. So if the people are ready... And all you jerks at home already, this is history. This is history in the making, Russell. 
Are you ready, Davey? If you'll you push it up, right. we're ready. Put the microphone on. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, the new king of professional wrestling, Paul the King Ellerin. What? Paul Ellerin, can you hear me? Look at this man. The million-dollar body, baby. Look at him. Look at him. Come on, Paul. Come around. Let these people see him. Look at him, girls. Look at him. The strongest man in the world. Yeah, the strongest man in the world. Come on, give me the flowers, Lance. Come on, we're gonna do this right. Come on, I'll do it. Are you, yeah. I'll do it, so. man. I crown thee the new king, Paul the King Ellery. Woo! You Look got at a this. Short Nobody's memory, Hart. That's baby. all come I can on. tell you. Oh, come on! Yeah. Come on, Russell, you knocked the crown off! I didn't knock come the crown off. Come on, man, off. wake up! Look at this body! Look at this body! Come on! Come on, pose for him, Paul. Let me move this robe off just a little bit, man. Come on, this thing's in the way. Show these people these muscles, man. Show them the muscles. Look at that, yeah. girls! This is your new king, this Jimmy Hart. The new champion, the baby! New king. The new champion! Come on, show these people the muscles. Look at this, come people! On, I didn't get much comment about the old king out of you. Look at it. Come on, show him the okay. pose, man. Look at the back. Woo! Is it great or is it great? Well, uh, whatever you say, Jimmy, whatever you say. And this, of course, set the foundation for Hart's first family in a stable, which seemed to have a ever-revolving door of some of the best and, and the worst heel talent at times uh, over the next four years. And again, I think this is a testament to Jerry Jarrett, who had spent some time traveling with Paul on the road and found him to be a very intelligent, articulate man and and maybe even, maybe even a little arrogant, maybe even acted like he was a little above your average wrestler and uh, made the decision to switch him heel which was uh, ended up being a kind of a stroke of genius because Paul's interviews, they were certainly some of the most unusual promos <laughs> that, uh, that you would hear. What are your thoughts on Ellering as a promo guy? Ellering was a good promo in that class of guys who clearly copied Billy Graham. And he was unique and he was weird and sometimes he would go on for a long time and he sounded good. But when you actually tried to examine what he was saying, it made no sense. And he was guilty of that in Mid-South, in Portland, and pretty much everywhere he went. And the thing to look at with Paul Ellering is, here's a guy with a great physique. Here's a guy who can talk. And because of injury, he was in and out of wrestling pretty quickly. I mean, this is 1980. And by 1983, he is retired and he's managing the Road Warriors. Yeah, well, still not, not a bad money spot to be in there. But anyway, by crowning Ellering and kind of a little swerve there, this opened the door to switch Handsome Jimmy back babyface, which the fans didn't really want to hate Handsome Jimmy anyway. Jimbo was kind of, you know, he always referred to it as Memphis as being his adopted hometown and that Grandma Valiant lived in Memphis and he was always going to come home and eat some biscuits. But uh, those words that Jimmy Hart uttered about shooting the racehorse and then crowning Paul Ellering the king and, and to do it so quickly. And the thing that really ticked off the king, and I'm talking legitimately pissed him off, was the fact that Jerry Jarrett and Jimmy Hart didn't call him to clue him in on the angle they were about to do. Jarrett was just absolutely furious with Lawler because he had warned him about playing in these games when he had this big program that he wanted to lay out with Vern Gagne to unite the CWA World Heavyweight title with the AWA World title. All that was completely out the window at this point. 
So let's go to a clip of Jerry Lawler. Now, he's still on the men. No one knows quite when he's going to return. And um, this is about as real as emotion gets in a promo from Jerry Lawler. So I'm not out here to say I'm going to get even with anybody for breaking my leg. But I do have a few things to say to some people about what went on after I broke my leg. And first of all, I want to talk to Mr. Jimmy Hart. Now, Jimmy, I don't know how good your memory is, but mine's pretty good. And I can remember taking you out of some of these dive nightclubs in Memphis where you were playing for drinks, buddy. And I took you and I let you stooge around for me and drive me around and I made you a living. Well, I went out and I got my leg broken and I wasn't even in the hospital good. And I turned on that TV and what I saw made me sick. Because here was Mr. Jimmy Hart right on there crowning himself a new king with my crown. And he was saying things like, what do you do with a horse that breaks his leg? You shoot him. Well, let me tell you something, Jimmy Hart. This is one horse that hadn't run his last race yet. So I got a little stipulation in this contract I just signed. And one thing it says in there that this coming week, Monday night, I'm going to have myself a front row, front row center ringside seat. Right there real close to you, Jimmy. You see, I've been thinking a lot about you, boy. I thought about you every day since I got my leg broke. And now I'm going to let you think about me a little bit. Because I'm going to tell you this, Jimmy Hart. When I'm ready, and this is what you got to think about, because I may be ready right now, and I may not be. You just think about that. But when I'm ready, you're going to the hospital, punk. You're going right in there where I was. Now you think about that, Hart, because I'm going to be there Monday night sitting right in that seat. And I may be ready. So you just think about that. Now I want to talk for a minute to Paul Ellering. <laughs> Paul Ellering. You know, they say impersonation is the sincerest form of flattery. Well, let me tell you something, punk. When it's somebody like you impersonating you, it's an insult. Because when it comes to wrestling, you're not even fit to lace my boots, Ellering. So I don't need somebody like you running around Memphis calling himself the king and trying to act like me. So I'm telling you, when I'm ready, Ellering, I'm going to get you and I'm going to beat you and I'm going to take my belt and I'm going to take a look at it. And if there's one scratch on it when I beat you, Ellering, if there's one scratch on that southern belt, then you're going to the hospital. And now I got one other thing to say to old handsome Jimmy. Handsome, you got something of mine. I think you know what it is. You got my crown, handsome, and I tell you what, like I said, I'm going to be sitting there front row ringside Monday night. Now, when they play your little song and you come boogieing out to that ring with my crown, all you got to do is boogie right over there and hand it back to me, and me and you are slick. But if you don't, handsome, if you don't give me back my crown, then me and you are going to go round and round. So that's all I got to say. I'll see you folks down there Monday night. 
you and me against the world, but forget the you. It's just me against the world. All are. Uh, well, that's the way he is. He's able to uh, articulate and tell you what he's got to say. Jerry, the King Lawler, who is now officially signed the contract with promoter Eddie Marlin, and um, whenever it allows, and there, uh, he, as he indicated in there, and I don't know when he's going to be ready. He will be at ringside, uh, however, and uh, I'm sure that that will cause some concern with a lot of folks. Jerry Lawler, we expect to see him back in action. So that was in June of 1980. The original diagnosis, I believe, was that Lawler was going to be ready to go by September. But I think that was more wishful thinking. And actually, he actually had his first match with Killer Carl Krupp. A lot of people forget about this uh, in September of 80. And then it was where uh, both men were going to wrestle in a cast. And Lawler ended up re-breaking the leg and delaying his return. And I have to think that that affected the plans for his first opponent because that was going to be such a big night that would last in Memphis wrestling history. They brought in Tommy Rich and turned him heel. He seemed to be the one that was going to get the nod. But uh, I don't think the fans really wanted to, to hate Tommy. So at the moment, it seemed that Paul Ellering was still going to be the guy. But then he up and leaves. But not before he, <laughs> he cuts one of the most bizarre promos I've ever seen. Uh, let's go to that clip right now where he's talking about Bill Dundee. Gentlemen that I am standing here with, Dundee was honest enough to say, uh, okay. I'll be I... honest, Lance Muscle. I'll be honest, and I got some bad news for all my lady friends out there, Lance Russell. I've been in love, girls. I've been in love for a long time. Ask me how long, Lance Muscle. How long, Paul? <laughs> Ever since I saw my reflection in my baby bathwater. <laughs> you know, Lance Muscle, if I could find somebody who loves me as much as I love myself, I would marry that lady on the spot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's very impressive, Paul. Very impressive. I uh, think that you know that Bill Dundee is one of these guys who just doesn't give up. He beat you for the title. Now, however you want to look at it, Bill Dundee is the Southern heavyweight champ, and uh, he's man enough to come back and defend it against you. You know what Bill Dundee did after he stole the belt? He went on a safari, Lance Russell. He went to Africa to beg a lion. And when he saw that lion, Lance Muscle, he begged and he begged and he begged for the lion to please go away. <laughs> look what I got here, Lance Russell. Look at this here. This, look fans, this is a Mr. Bill doll. <laughs> That's right. That's what I got here. I got a Mr. Bill doll. What do you think of that, Lance Muscle? Now, this little Bill, this Mr. Bill doll can talk. And do you know what he says? Let's ask Mr. Bill what he has to say to Mr. Paul. Let's ask Mr. Bill. Well, Mr. Bill, how do you feel since you've become the champion? Well, I feel real bad, Lance Russell. I feel real bad, Lance Russell, because I stole the belt. I stole the belt from Paul Oates. There you got it, Lance Muscle, right from Mr. Bill's mouth. He stole the belt. <laughs> now, Mr. Bill, who is your hero? 
Well, Mr. Paul, you're my hero. You're so big and I'm so small. I wish I was as big as you, Mr. Paul. <laughs> Mr. Bill, do you know what you're saying? Oh, yes, I do, Mr. Paul. You're my hero. I love you. I wish I was just like you, Mr. Paul. <laughs> well, Mr. Bill, do you know what I'm going to do to you in our wrestling match? No, Mr. Paul, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. No, Mr. Paul, don't take my leg. No, no, no! Look at Mr. Bill now. He don't have an arm and he don't have a leg. What do you say now, Mr. Bill? No, no, Mr. Paul. Somebody slam me, Mr. Paul. No, no, no. Dundee, you don't mean nothing to me, Dundee. All I want is you. The belt is immaterial. All I want is you. Okay, so right there, if, uh, <laughs> if you can imagine, Paul Ellerane, he's actually got a clay figure of Bill Dundee that he refers to as Mr. Bill from Saturday Night Live. And as he's ending his promo, he's actually crushing the figure in his hands and the clay is going everywhere. And Lance Russell's just looking absolutely disgusted. And that was the last we saw of, uh, of Paul Ellerane. And so uh, that opened the door for uh, for Tommy Rich to come in. Now, there's a lot of speculation that this heel run for uh, Rich was uh, kind of a favor to Jim Barnett. They were trying to see if Tommy could work heel uh, in case he ever got the NWA title and maybe had a chance to be a traveling world champion. Um, he did get the title for a brief time in 81, but was never able to uh, actually defend it out of the state of Georgia. Bobby Eaton also showed up around this time, finally left Nick Goulis and joined Jimmy Hart. They even uh, crowned Bobby King for a short time, and he had a short run with the CWA World Heavyweight title before dropping it back to Billy Robinson. So the first family at this point, after Rich has abruptly switched back babyface in a bizarre angle where Jimmy Hart and Tojo Yamamoto and Jimmy Valiant attack his mother, Peggy, the lineup consists of Eaton, Carl Krupp, El Mongo, Gypsy Joe, Sonny King, and the angel, Frank Morrell. So not exactly uh, not exactly the A-team there. But a pattern was beginning to develop at this point. Virtually every heel entering the territory was now paired with Hart because it would get them over instantly. And this would continue for pretty much the entire run uh, of Hart's career in Memphis. Now, as uh, 1980 is coming to a close, Lawler's ready to go. They just need the right opponent. Troy Graham, a journeyman wrestler uh, in the Southern Territories, shows up at the Mid-South Coliseum looking for work. And uh, Jerry Jarrett asks, uh, asks him, hey, boy, can you talk? And he goes, can I talk? And he proceeds to cut this tremendous promo. He does it better Dusty than Dusty Rhodes can do. And Hart immediately says that he called Jerry Lawler and says, this is the guy. So they put Troy Graham under a mask, call him the Dream Machine, and uh, rather strongly imply that this is Dusty Rhodes under the hood. Let's go to this clip now of the dream. All right, joining and uh, Can you see it what was I'm all saying, over baby? with when you when you 
continue to do what you did to Carl Fergie and no excuse in that now kind wait, of Now, wait just a minute. Now, wait just a minute. Just like I stood out here last week and told everybody it was going to be a graveyard digging and a coffin buying a long time weeping and a family crying. Jerry Lawler, you are a low-life egg-sucking dog. Yo, as your kin folks, you know, they say blood is thicker than water. Yeah. But in this case, blood is not thicker than water because Jerry Lawler, I hit him and I beg you for mercy. He looked up at me. He said, where is Jerry? Please come and help me. Said, I need some mercy. I kept putting that fist on him. I kept pounding that head. He looked up at me. And then what happened? Lord, have mercy. He sent the referee, Jerry Calhoun, in there to come to save his rescue, won't weigh 135 pounds soaking wet, and I dumped him like yesterday's garbage. I hit him with a right cross, and then who did they send in there? Coco Ware. Coco Ware come in there. Now, you know, it's two things I can't give him to start with, and that's a black eye and a fat lip. And I dumped him like yesterday. And then who did they send in there? Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton, he come running like he go do something, go throw a left hook. I put that right on that button and he went down, his knees turned to jelly. He was on Dream Street, the dream machine. <laughs> the dream machine put him out just like a light. Jerry Lawler, you are an egg-sucking dog. There ain't a gut in you, Jerry Lawler. And then what did he do? Then what did he do? Jerry Lawler ain't got no guts. Then he turned around and he didn't have enough guts to come in straight for he, he went all the way around the building. He was blowed up time he got around the door and run in behind my back. He run in behind the dream's back. Whoo, Lord, I must have. The muscle of Charles Ellis, the quickness of Bob Lilly, the meanness of Joe Boogie, Woogie Green, do the funky chicken, but an Isaac Cage got more soul than a broken shoe. Can you dig what I'm saying last night? Yeah, Can you dig what I'm saying? But where's Jerry Lawler? Where's Jerry Lawler? Jerry Lawler, there ain't no guts on you. You are just like Memphis, Jerry Lawler. You was built on a bluff. We got here, you out here talking about how bad Jerry Lawler is. They ain't nothing. Just because your breath smell like car and ain't no sign you cheater. Let me tell you something. Jerry Lawler, you ain't bad. You ain't bad, but where's he at? Now, see, you know what you got to say this week to defend him? Uh, he didn't have enough guts. He hey, I don't have to defend Lawler. He can do a pretty good job of defending himself, as you're going to find out eventually. If I'll he tell did, you. how come he didn't come to his cousin's rescue? You know, that boy needs some stand back yeah. to fight that pain, fever, and inflammation. <laughs> he needs some stand back. That's what he needed. He laying there bleeding and looking up. He said, oh, Lord, don't hit me no more, so man. Don't hit me no more. And I kept putting it on him. I didn't show nobody. My man right here was right with me. Slide me aside so we can stay alive. Oh, you baby, wasting time with this guy. So that reference at the end, where he references uh, Standback headache powder, uh, commercials for Standback were airing in Memphis with Dusty Rhodes, and they would have Dusty in the locker room, and he's all battered and bruised, saying, oh, my gosh, I'm in so much pain, baby, I can't take it. I had plans tonight. But then he takes a Standback, and then suddenly he's all ready to go, and his teeth are sparkling, and you hear this voice of an African-American lady off screen going, come on, Dusty, I want a boogie. And he gives you a wink and he walks out the door, which I'm sure played very well in Memphis. But at any rate, <laughs> uh, they did this to kind of imply that that Dusty was taking Hart's blood money, but he didn't want to ruin his reputation. And so that's why he was working under the hood. And I think some fans actually bought that. And the dream could chuck and jive and, and cut some funny promos, but he could also be deadly serious. And here's the perfect example when he talks about his upcoming match with Dutch Mantel who he compares to uh, to a chicken. Uh, here is Jimmy Hart with the former holder, yeah, yeah. former holder of the, of the AWA Southern Heavyweight Belt, the Dream Machine. Don't you start talking because I'm going to tell you something, Dutch Mantel. I want all of you people out there 
to be proud of your champion, Dutch Mantel, but the way you got that belt, boy, you didn't have enough guts. You know, when I went down there, I was burning up with fever, 102 fever, and he tried to get me. Jimmy Hart, my manager, tried to get me. He says, Dream Machine, don't you go down there to face him because you're not able. I said, but I'm going because the man that I am, with the power that I have in my body, and I went down there to get in that ring to face him, eyeball to eyeball. And what did you do, Dutch Mantel? You did not have enough brass on your face to come out where the rats are supposed to come out. You had to run around the building and come in the front door. Now, why did you have to do that? Because I'll tell you why, boy. Because you're gutless and you're chicken and you know there's no way come rain, sleet, hell, or snow that you can beat me because I did it all, brother. There's nothing in the world that I want to do, no place I want to go, and no place that I'm going back to. You understand what I'm saying? Because I don't care. But Dutch Mantel, you're going to pay, baby. I'm going to be in your coffee. I'm going to be in your eggs and bacon. I'm going to be in your pancakes. I might even be... Oh, I don't even want to say where I might be, but I'm going to be there, brother, and I'm going to tell you, Dutch Mantel, you look at this face, and every face tells a story of pain, misery, and the blues, shucking, jiving, moving, and grooving. I'll get the barbed wire fence from hell and back, baby, and I've never fear, feared any man that ever walked God's green earth, and I do not fear you, and Dutch Mantel, you are a chicken. I look up, and I see a hammer. I see a whip. And I'm knocked out and I get up and my manager tells me, he says, dream, it's over. I say, how in the hell can it be over? And the bell ain't even rung, Dutch Mantel. But I'm looking at you, boy. And I'm going to be looking at you for a long time because it'll never be over. And I got news for you, Bigfoot. I'm not scared of you, Turkey. I'm not scared of you. And I've never been scared of you. And I guarantee you, Jimmy, that I want him. If it's any guts in your body. If you if you get behind these people, if these people are behind you, if you are a true champion like I was, you'll come out here and take that belt and hand it to me right on the platter and say, Dream Machine, this is your belt, baby. This is yours, and I stole it like a thief in the night that I was. <laughs> Hallelujah. I stole it. I want him out here, Jimmy. Tell me right now if he's got it. You saw it. You was down there hooping and hollering. I'll tell you why Lance Russell is not here, because he was drinking. He was down there hooping and hollering with the rest of them idiots. I'm fired up, baby. I'm wired tighter than a Gibson guitar on a Friday night. And Dutch Mantel, I want your meat, baby. Dream, I got uh, something to tell you, darling. Hallelujah. He won't come out and give you a title shot because Dutch Mantell called me this morning, and you know what he told me? He said, Jimmy Hart, I want back in the first family. He said, Jimmy Hart, I want to be back with the first family. And I said, well, Dutch, there's only one way to get back, brother, and that's to give my dream machine a title shot, and he's awfully mad at you. And he said, well, Jimmy, I'll do anything to get in the first family, but I ain't going to give the dream machine a title shot. And I said, well, Dutch, there's one other thing that you can do to get back in the first family, baby, and that's to wear the mark of a chicken. The mark of a chicken, Dutch Mantell. And he said, mark Jimmy, I will do anything. Mark so, ladies and gentlemen, right now, I'm giving you the mark of a chicken, Dutch Mantell. Come here, Dutch Mantell, if you want to be back in the first family. Come on out here then. Come on out. Jimmy. Look at him, baby. Look at him. There's the chicken. Look at him. Dirty Dutch Mantell back in the first family. Look at him. Come on, Dutch. of the devil but the mark of the chicken that Dutch Mantel you take a look boy when you face your old lady when you face them ugly kids you got and you take a look at them every day this is what you are 
what you are, and this is what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to take you down, and I'm going to crush you, nothing better than hell. And I'm going to look around, and I'm going to pull you out. And I'm going to spit in your face, and I'm going to tell you what you mean. What do you mean? No, no, no. What is going to be? Don't Get him out of here. Hell, you shut up, baby. Get you went down there hooping and hollering. More wrestling's coming up. We'll be back with you. And I'm sure that clip probably horrified many young wrestling fans because it looks like the Dream Machine is beating up Big Bird uh, uh, during the live TV broadcast. Uh, but uh, all this talk of wrestlers being chicken eventually led to matches where the loser would be tarred and feathered. And, uh, Brian, we recently discussed these kind of bizarre steps on the Jim Cornette experience and uh, how effective they were in drawing money. It was very effective in Louisiana specifically because incidents like that had actually been happening years earlier to some of the ancestors of the people who were attending the shows that Mid-South Wrestling ran of course bill dundee was the booker in 1984 when jim Cornette and the midnight express were in mid-south and he had seen this effectively be used in memphis and he applied it there although it certainly had a different significance to the population at that time in louisiana versus memphis yeah and i think there was something too that, that you know gambling is very big especially sports gambling very big in the south uh, NFL gambling, especially college football and college basketball, and just sort of that riverboat gambling type deal. Like, you know, I'll put the, put my hair against your hair, and, you know, I'll put my wife's hair up, I'll put my car up, I'll put my dog up if I have to to get you in the ring. Uh, and this this really resonated with fans, and it, and it made the issues all the more personal. And again, we go back to that philosophy, the sign that hung in Jerry Jarrett's office to remind him that personal issues draw money. But ironically enough, in a case of chicken karma, I suppose, the Dream is the one who was initially tarred and feathered during a live Memphis brawl in summer 1981. Bringing all this junk out here. 
Wallen Dundas find $500 for you. I hope maybe it'll pay out some of this stuff. Come on. Wallen! Just get out of here, Green. Will you just take your mess and get on out of here? You got any stinking guts in your body, Lala? Come on, Green. Come on, Lala. Come on, Lala. Come on, Lala. Oh, you had all the heavy water. Boy, that's something terrible. Okay, I'll tell you, let's just, let's just go to a break and forget all about the thing. Yeah, take a break. <laughs> And gosh, that image of a feathered, crazed dream machine screaming, Lala, I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, just so intense. And Lance is just, and Lance is just screaming. Lance, Lance is more upset about the mess they're making. Like, ah, oh, come on, you guys. You're getting this stuff everywhere. This stuff is just getting out of hand here. Oh. Uh, but, it, uh, you know, at this point, Memphis had really established itself as, as being uh, innovators, not necessarily with the tar and feathering stipulations, but by introducing new talent uh, and setting up big showdowns with uh, music videos uh, set to popular music. Uh, they were actually almost ahead of the curve of MTV in that sense. But Lance Russell makes the mistake of airing a video the following week <laughs> after the dream got tarred and feathered. Uh, the dream's already in a bad mood. And the video set to the less than flattering alley oop. Let's play that clip now. I want to just say right here a special word of thanks to Randy West, our, our uh, championship wrestling video man. You have no idea the number of hours in them that you spend looking through tapes and fitting it together and putting it to the music and all. Randy, I think, does a super, super job, and you never get to see him. But he just does a great job week after week of giving us some super stuff, too, and we appreciate that from Randy. Listen, it takes two to tango, a southern heavyweight champion named the Dream Machine. Got some interesting footage we'd like to show you here. There's a man in the funny papers we all know. He lives way back a long time ago He don't eat nothing but a bear cat stew Well, this cat's name is a Alley-Oop Well, there he is, Alley-Oop Dream Machine He had his ups and downs, uh, as you well saw there and sometimes uh, was like that comic book character, the Dream Machine, uh, who is the uh, current Southern Heavyweight Champ, as a matter of fact. And uh, Jimmy Hart. What's wrong with you, man? What the hell is the matter with you? I'll beat your shit, man. Get out of here. You don't make me look like a fool. You don't make me look like a fool. You don't make me look like a fool. Lala, you will be tired and feathered! I'll kill you, Lala! 
Jimmy Hart, the dream machine, he's fired a thousand dollars right here. You'll pay it or you won't wrestle here today and tomorrow and no other time. Okay, okay, okay. Lance, I'm paying you nothing, anybody, Hart. Just take it. Okay, I'm not paying you nothing. So as you can tell right there, uh, that's, again, emotions running wild, which is what you get during a live TV broadcast. Now, the dream was supposed to go out there enraged and, and grab Lance by the lapels, certainly. But he went out with a full head of steam and he's like, you know, a legit 275 and he comes barreling. And I think he actually tripped and fell on top of Lance and nearly crushed him. Eddie Marlin comes out there screaming like you've never heard him yell before. And Lance is just, you can tell Lance is just really pissed off. And Jimmy Hart is like immediately, it's almost like he's backstage. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Oh, man, it's just so great. And the dream is just riding with the emotion. Uh, if there was ever a guy who just fed off the raw emotion and was on when that camera was on, it was the dream machine. I remember, gosh, working with that guy and managing him. And we uh, we'd had a big brawl with Jerry Lawler and Brian Christopher. And they wanted to cut a promo for the rematch the following week right then and there when Doug was all bloody and the dream machine was still gushing. And nobody could find Troy anywhere. And so I went looking around and I couldn't, you know, I was like, dream, where are you dream? And then finally I go by this room and I hear this awful smacking sound. And I look in there and the dream is repeatedly punching his eye to close it. And he turns to me and he goes, how do I look? And I said, God, you look awful. And he's like, all right, let's cut it, baby. <laughs> you know, and at that time, really, I mean, the crowd was going to be about the same 1,200 hardcore fans that were still coming, uh, but the dream was still committed to the art. Uh, but eventually the dream turned babyface. He was one of the first defections from the first family. And, uh, well, here he cuts a promo uh, on Tojo Yamamoto's team of Mr. Odita Masafuchi using every single possible racial slur and Japanese stereotype you can think of. ...against Mr. Onita and Masafuchi with Tojo Yamamoto, and I think that's one of the important things is the fact that Tojo is going to be right there at ringside. Dream, you got the action going up. Well, you know, it's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on up there in Louisville, but I guarantee you one thing, me and that Bill Dundee, the superstar, going, going far. We're going to be defending these belts with everything we got. Going to be 110%. You know one thing? I sleep with my belt, and I know Bill sleeps with his. And I want to tell you something, you slant-eyed Pearl Harbor backstabbing Jeff Tojo Yamamoto. I sure hope you do jump up with your bullet here because I'm going to put knots on your head faster than you can rub it. And I'm going to tell you something else, you Japs. You better say your prayers need a whole lot of Uncle Ben's converted rights because it's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on in Louisville. Tell them what it's going to be like. So obviously Tojo Yamamoto, who had been um, in the first family, uh, and a kind of a, a really odd tag combination with Wayne Ferris. It just didn't seem to to mesh that well. Uh, he leaves the he leaves the family, and uh, actually he starts kind of feuding with Hart a little bit over who's going to manage uh, this uh, new Japanese team. Uh, and things just aren't going Hart's way by April of 1981. Lawler's beating Handsome Jimmy in a loser leave town match. 
He's actually burned the face of Austin Idol, darling, with a fireball as payback for the ambush under the guise of Diamante Negro. I believe they also called him the Big House. Casa Grande. <laughs> Casa Grande, right, right. And, uh, you know, and they continue giving Lawler the big Superman push. You know, Lawler's been out for a year, so they really want to get over the fact that the king uh, is not to be messed with. So in the same night, Jerry Lawler not only beats former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Dory Funk Jr., but he also goes up against Gypsy Joe and the Angel in a handicap loser leave town match, and he wins that one too. I mean, it's barely spring, and it seems Lawler has won the war, and the first family is no more, which just breaks my heart and that of Jimmy's as well. Let's go to this clip now. Their chapter was added um, when Jerry Lawler uh, successfully got rid of another set of your particular wrestlers in there. So I want to find out your reaction to it. Well, I'll tell you the truth, Lance. You know, at the first part of this week, I was so happy because in professional wrestling, like music, sometimes when you have things happen to you like a gold record or, or winning the southern title or, or winning the world championship matches it means everything in the world to you and this week if they can get a close-up of this right here there was an article that came out in this wrestling magazine and it was the greatest thrill of the life for me to have my picture on it it was like maybe in music having your picture on rolling stone you know but it doesn't mean much to me anymore for the simple fact that, well, y'all laugh. Go ahead. Hey, I don't blame you. Go ahead. That's okay. Hey. But the truth of the matter is this, is that I'm out here today to tell Jerry Lawler that uh, I'm finished. You set out to do what you wanted to do. You wanted to get me out of professional wrestling. Well, that's exactly what you've done, because I admit, I'm only 150 pounds, and there's no way I can defeat you. Every week I go to the ring, and I see these people, they love Lawler. They stand up for Lawler. They cheer him. My family, I come home, I put them through all kind of abuse at school, everything. And I realize that. And like I said, hey, that's okay. Hey, I don't, I understand. I understand. But the point I'm trying to say, I had Handsome Jimmy. He defeated Handsome Jimmy. Uptown. That's right. Last week, he defeated the Angel and Gypsy Joe. Everybody I've tried to bring in, Lawler has defeated. Wayne Ferris. Wayne Angel Ferris. Ferris. Everybody. So I'm just out here to tell you, Lawler, like I said, I'm through. And I'm sure I'm going to miss going to all the places. And the only thing I can say is, you are a better man than Jimmy Hart. And uh, I just want to tell the people that I'm sorry for a lot of things that I've done. And that's all I've got to say. Okay, well, we appreciate uh, the information. We have seen Jimmy Hart through a lot of trials and tribulations. We've seen him when he's been extremely jubilant and... Uh, you see him. It's very difficult for a wrestling manager who has nobody to manage uh, to do much. Jimmy Hart probably did more interviews 
uh, where he was actually shedding tears. It it's actually an incredible performance. I mean, this is like uh, this is like Oscar worthy. I mean, there are actually tears. I don't know what he pictured in his mind, like dying puppies or 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 something, but he is actually bawling. Uh, as he's giving this promo, and I think it's I think it's when he mentions about his son getting bullied at school because I think that that had actually happened. I mean, can you imagine being the son of Jimmy Hart in Memphis when all this craziness is going on? But anyway, um, as you might suspect, this is all an elaborate ploy, though, as the Turk and El Toro, along with Jimmy Hart, attack Lawler in the very next segment, leaving him a bloody mess. And uh, an enraged Lawler says that he needs the dirtiest wrestler he can find to be his partner, to even the odds against Hart and his evil henchmen. So he calls on Kevin Sullivan. Now, he actually acknowledges Sullivan's bad reputation on cable TV, this new technology, uh, referencing uh, Kevin's performances on WTBS, where he had established himself as a, as a great heel. But he says this is the kind of guy he needs to go up against Hart and the Turk and El Toro. And it's kind of funny, the Turk and El Toro, not the most impressive wrestlers in the world. I, I think Lance, uh, the first time he introduced them, says, man, these guys are so stocky. <laughs> So so just when you think that Lawler is finally even the odds against Jimmy Hart and the family, Hart outfoxes the king again when Sullivan turns on Lawler, which was just tremendous. I thought Sullivan was such an incredible addition to the family. I mean, because in Memphis, a Boston accent is like nails going down a chalkboard. And just the way he said Jerry Lawler and Dutch Mantel, and he would just, Sullivan was just a master of the backhanded compliment. And, you know, he would, he would come out and say, you know, I'm not saying that Jerry Lawler is totally gutless. I'm not saying that Dutch Mantel is a, is a complete coward, but you know, they're not getting in the ring with me. I, you know, I'm just saying, I, I know the reputations. His psychology was, uh, was just off the charts. And that summer, man, that it really started to heat up. That's why I think this is one of the best versions of the first family, because they actually started selling out the Coliseum again. And it, it actually felt like Memphis was back. And the babyface side uh, had been bolstered by the debut of Steve Kern and uh, the babyface turn of Dutch Mantel to back up Lawler and Dundee in their battles against Hart and the family. Dutch had this tremendous promo. He saw Dundee and the Dream getting pounded by Tojo. Uh, Onita and Fuji, and he said, you know, I was watching that backstage, and I looked out, and I saw a little boy holding an American flag, three Orientals beating on one man, and that little boy dropped his flag, and something inside me snapped. I was a Vietnam veteran, and I don't know what happened, but it all just came flooding back, and I had to save him. And Dutch actually was a Vietnam vet. I mean, and he used that in the promo to, to fuel that emotion. And I, I still get goosebumps just even talking about it. So, you know, as uh, Cornette uh, alluded to on a recent episode, these stipulation matches were just big money draws. And probably the biggest series that summer where it would be if a guy won the match, then he would get his dream bout, you know, with any stipulation that he wanted. And to discover what Hart and his men dream about, Lance Russell actually crashes. He has the audacity to crash a first family barbecue. Let's play that clip now. For letting me come to the first family's clan oh, meeting come here, on, Jimmy. Man. I Don't tell me Lawler and Dundee sent you over here, right? Well, they can't get in the family. You can't get oh, in the family, no. baby. <laughs> here, let, let, well, wait a minute. Now, let me tell you what I had on my mind. I was thinking the other day, 
Hey, we, wait just we, a minute. Before you can come to a family meeting, you got to get comfortable and you look right, pretty right, uncomfortable. Right, right, right. You look come pretty uncomfortable. Come over here to be harassed. You need to loosen up just yeah, hey, yeah. There you go. All right. Okay, now come on. Will you move down I'm there? I'm not looking we? anywhere. <laughs> you tell him. Okay. Come on. Let me tell Will you let, let me just a second. Let me tell you why I came. All right. A meeting. Meeting come to order. Meeting, meeting come to order. Okay. All right. I was thinking the other day about the fact that we have had opportunities for the fans to write in and say, yeah, I'd like to see the this match and that match. Okay, just hold it a minute, Wayne. The, the promoters every week... Here, take some, darling. Uh, okay, do you mind if I just not drink it right now? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. The promoters every week uh, have the opportunity to make the matches that they're interested in seeing, and sometimes I know that you guys do not uh, particularly care for the matches that are booked by the promoters in there. But the thing that in all the years that I've been around commentating on wrestling, I have never known the wrestlers to express an opinion on what kind of match they would like to have. Say what would be like a dream match if you guys. So what I want, what I want you to do is to take just a minute to think about it, and then I want to ask you about what your dream match well, would be. Well, first of all, I don't need a minute to think about a dream match, Lance Russell, because there's oh, only man. one dream match that I want. And that would be with Roy Rogers, that young, dumb punk that don't need to be in the wrestling business anyway. And if there's any way I could get rid of him, it would be in a dream match. And I would completely get you out of the country, out of everything, out of the ring, out of anything you ever wanted to be in, Roy Rogers. Because for one thing, boy, Beautiful, baby. do you make me sick? I hate your gun, baby. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, the Boston battler, muscle man Kevin Sullivan. Uh, have you got a dream match that you would like to express? First of all, Lance, I'd like to say thank you very much for coming to the first family's outing today. Yeah. I'm glad you loosened up. You know, later on we got somebody coming out of tape for Kevin. you, but forget about that now. Yeah. You know, I've thought about this a lot, you know. You know, I got a guy here that's been a thorn in my side, Dutch Mantel. And I don't have to tell you, because everybody out there and everybody knows here how he's ran from me, how he's hid from me, you know, that shell-shocked idiot. I can't get him to stand I still one time. I know, thank you, you, Lance, okay. because you're here on okay. our family grounds. The boys will tell you, isn't he afraid of me? Yeah, See? Yeah. See? Yeah. Unanimous. Yeah, that's scared of death. And you know, as everybody in this area knows, I'm probably the king of the battle royals. So the king. The king. The king. No okay. problem, Thank you, James. So I was thinking was this. You know, a battle royal, someone always gets hurt in a battle royal. And I was thinking, I'm not going to sell Dutch Mantel short because I figure he's a tough and worthy opponent. So I thought, so that he wouldn't run in a battle royal if I got the toughest men in the country in the rink together, it'd be fair. Because you know what I want to be, Lance, is I want to be fair. And especially to a guy like Dutch Mantel, who doesn't deserve it, I'm going to be a little fair. Well, so my dream would be a battle royal consisting of the shell-shocked idiot himself, Dutch Mantel. As you said, the Boston Battler. And then I'd like to have the pretty boy, Wayne Ferris, in the ring. All right, all right. Yay! All right, baby. All right. I'd like to have Nightmare Number 1. Yes, yes sir. Got him. And let's not forget Nightmare Number 2. We can arrange it. We can arrange yep. it. And the brains of the first family, James Raymond Hart III. All right. And there, he wouldn't have a chance to run. He wouldn't have a chance to hide. We and could, that's it? 
That's it. That's fair, square. Mantell the... against the first family of professional wrestling. Well, you see, it wouldn't be against the first family. It'd be a battle royal. Hey, It'd be fair. It's your dream. Kevin <laughs> Sullivan, this is your dream. Let's get one of the night nightmare number one down here. Let's get him in here and find out from him what his dream Wait match would be. Wait a minute. Let me talk to him. I'll do the talking. I'll do the talking. Come here, darling. Come here. Well, here we go with the Jimmy Hart fabulous ventriloquism act. He does all the talking for the nightmares and... Uh, so he is getting the translation. Can you translate for us, James? <laughs> I'm going to try to. What have we got in this punch here, man? This is great. I'm, let me tell you something. All right, this is what my nightmare number one wants. <laughs> he wants a handicap match with a dream machine. Very simple, and it works like this. Nightmare number one and nightmare number two against the dream with one stipulation, of course, that when they beat him, then he'll unmask himself. Yeah. Can you imagine him unmasking a big, fat, ugly, fat, big pig? Can you believe that? A, a handicap That's mask right. with the nightmares against the <laughs> yeah. dream. They put up their mask. He puts up theirs. Uh, he no, puts no, up no. his mask. Excuse me. You misunderstood me. You misunder I think you're the one drinking the punch. Listen, their mask is not at stake. His mask is at stake. The dream oh, machine's oh, mask. Oh, That's oh. the stipulation. One, one uh, mask right. at stake. Uh, yeah. Okay. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, let's get nightmare number two. Are you going to do the translation for nightmare number two. So Jimmy Hart now, and you notice how he's moving his strings, the mouth goes and nothing comes out till the translation comes. All right. Nightmare number two's dream match. You won't believe this. This is the most heartwarming thing that's ever happened to me in my professional career of wrestling. You will not believe what this man just said to me. What did he say, Jim Bush? Oh. Lance, he just told me that his dream would be mine. Anything that I want is what this man wants because he loves me. I'm the greatest thing to ever happen in his life. Thank you. You're the greatest thing to ever happen in his life. Okay, so nightmare number two has no dream. Uh, we've gotten the first family's dreams in there. We appreciate the opportunity to... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Excuse me, excuse me. Well, you didn't ask me about my dream, baby. My dream. What about my dream? Well, like it or not, I'm going to get Jimmy Hart. Because dream. if he gets a dream and okay. he's going to give it to me, then I want my dream. Okay, Jimmy, what would your dream match be? Excuse me. This is my dream. This is my dream, baby. I want to get Jerry Lawler into the ring. I want to get him in a boxing glove match. I want him to have boxing gloves on, baby, because you know in high school, who was the number one professional boxer? Non-professional, but I call myself professional in high school, Jimmy Hart. Who won golden gloves? Jimmy Hart, baby. Come on, tell it like it is. I'm not telling you. Stepping on his hands. Let me tell you, this is mine. I would like to get Jerry Lawler in the ring. He's got boxing gloves. What's in that punch over I want to get him in the ring with boxing gloves on, number one. Number two, I want two special referees, which would, of course, be the Boston Battler. I'll do it, James. I'll do it. And, last but not least, the pretty boy, Wayne Ferris. Two special referees. You got it, darling. Two special referees, Lawler and Boxing Gloves. But I want the Southern Heavyweight Championship belt put up. For this reason, Lance Russell, Jerry Lawler came out here on TV and he told everybody, Boy, Jimmy Hart, you've done the greatest thing in the world for me because bringing in the Hulk, and he beat the Hulk. He beat Jack Briscoe, Dory Funk, Terry Funk, Jimmy Valiant, Austin Idol, and I can go on. Well, that moved Lawler up in the rankings, right? Mm. Well, baby, if he has that match with me, then I'll win the match. And then he'll be down at the bottom again. Look at these 18-inch arms, Lawler. Look at this. 18-inch, baby. Look at these biceps. Look at this body. Look at it. That's your deal, baby. Lawler, can you take it, baby? Boxing gloves. Southern heavyweight title shelf match. 
Plus, last but not least, my special referees, Sullivan and Ferris, baby. Come on, Lawler. Come on and get it, baby. Come on, Boy, that is a dream, I gotta tell you. Okay. Your typical fun-loving American family, and so as we say, adieu to the first family. You gotta feel sorry for Lance. I mean, he left there just feeling like really abused, and it looked like it was one of those hot, humid Memphis days, and Lance is not even wearing a jacket. He looks like completely miserable, and it's kind of funny to see the nightmares there drinking and uh, enjoying the barbecue wearing their mask, but at any rate, Hart's dream match ultimately becomes a nightmare when the King gets the one bout that he's been aiming for all year. A one-on-one lumberjack against Hart with the ring surrounded by baby faces to ensure the wily manager of the first family can't escape and none of his henchmen can help him. This is as brutal as it gets, as Lance Russell calls the action. Look out for the King. Hart knows he's in serious trouble. Lawler going after the chain, takes it away from Hart. Jimmy Hart, pillar to post now. There's no place to hide, and Lawler nails him. The King puts him down. Hart gets out. Steve Kern, Mantell, throw him right back in. Lawler says, try that way. Dundee grabs him and throws him in. Here he comes after Roy Rogers. Rogers with him. Pushes him back under the rope. Hart trying to hang on. He doesn't want Lawler. His advantage gone. Lawler with a chain. Goes after him. Over the shoulder. Pull himself up to his knees. Falls back. Lawler pulls him to the center of the ring. This is what the King has been after for a long time. Drops with the elbow on that leg. Bangs down again with it. He is loving every minute of the problems that Jimmy Hart has given him. He remembers them. And with a vengeance, he's going after Hart. Again the elbow. Spinning leg lock, and he really has Hart. Oh, boy. Lawler just pouring it off. Better that 234 is behind it. All the memories of the problems that he has had is added to it. Jimmy Hart. Referee Jerry Calhoun says he gives it up. It's all over. Lawler 
here's the winner. 749. Lawler says, get out of here. You don't belong in here anyhow. And he throws Calhoun out. Jerry Lawler has won the bout in 749, but it's not good enough. He spins, heart screaming. Lawler again with that spinning leg lock. You can tell the vengeance is coming out. Here comes the first family down. Hart saying, no, 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 watch my leg. The crowd loving it. As Hart holding his leg. So the leader of the pack, the head of the first family, being carried by Chick Donovan. Yeah, well, that was the scene as it took place, and uh, <clears throat> quite a scene it was. That was exactly Lawler's dream match. Wanted to get Hart where well, the first family could not interfere, where he had a lumberjacks that would not let him get out of the ring. Uh, he was successful in getting in that type of a match, and uh, the result, well, you've seen it. And so um, Jimmy Hart ended up with a broken leg. Let's hear the comments. I'd love to thank you, but I ain't going to be able to wear it. I get through, but I love the color and everything. When is Chick and Wayne and the Nightmares coming up, back? Up, okay, up, okay that's fine. Walk. Can you raise my back sure, up a little bit right now? Oh, God! Not so, not so fast, please! Please, the foot, the foot, that's a foot button, the foot button, the foot, the foot button! The foot the Oh, the foot button. Look, Kevin, my leg is broke. You're killing me. You you are absolutely killing me right now. I'm telling you! Okay, okay. Please just stop, just stop, please. Okay, okay. I'm I'm sorry, I'm snappy. I'm sorry. Please, please. They can't. The camera's not looking at my gown, is it? No. Come on, put down here. First of all, you told them we don't anybody know where we are, right? They understood. Hey, before we go any further, you know, no one's supposed to know where we are, right? Correct? All right. Okay. If you raise it down one more time, but please do the right, the button on the right. Down or up? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait just a minute. Who is? Get. Oh, I just where's, where's my glasses? They're my over glasses. there, Jimmy. Let me sitting get rid of on this. Them. On no, the they're over there in the thing. Let me get rid of this. Here. Okay. I'll That's get these head. anyway. It's okay. Right here. Here I don't good. want those stupid letters anyway. Okay. 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 Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here's my here. I'll, I'll move. I'll move my present. Okay. All right. Everybody wants to know the condition of Jimmy Hart and the condition of the first family. Well, let me tell you something right now. Don't you worry about Jimmy Hart's condition or the first family's condition. You people of Memphis, you better worry about your condition right now. Because let me tell you something, man. You are very sick. Y'all need help so bad. I need to try to bring in about 50 psychiatrists to help you out. Because, buddy, you are in trouble. I've lived in Memphis all of my life. And I've never seen the worst taste of sportsmanlike conduct in my life from you people out there. I climbed in the ring, a Christian athlete, all of my life. Memphis born and Memphis bred. An athlete. High school athlete. I have done everything for Memphis, Tennessee to put it on the map that I could possibly do. Cut million seller records, everything. Climbed to the top of the ladder in professional wrestling and brought you in the best talent that has ever been in this territory. And I crawled in that ring Monday night with Jerry Lawler. 
and he used a chain on me, and he yeah. used salt on me. He used everything humanly imaginable, and you people were laughing and cheering. When he came off that top rope, which is illegal, you people went crazy. If he'd have had a gun, let me tell you something. If he'd have had a gun and blown my head off, these people would have gone crazy, I mean, Kevin. If he had an axe and said, let me cut off his head, they would have said yes. You know why? Because it's like I've told you before. All these Southerners, it isn't just Memphis, it's all the Southerners are sick, Jimmy. This is what's wrong with society today. They are sick. This is a real sick society. You could see it on their faces. There's faces that looked exactly like Kern's face, looked like Lawless' face. They're all sick. And Jimmy, as you know, the only thing sane in this world today is the family. We're the only guiding light left. We're the only thing sane. You look at the rest of society. Like you said, they were yelling at you everything, Jimmy. And that was your hometown. Can you imagine how it is for outsiders? Ah, uh, dark days indeed for the first family. But things were about to get a little brighter. Kevin Sullivan kept his promise. He and Wayne Ferris cost Jerry Lawler a chance to regain his belt, the Southern Heavyweight Championship, and a tournament. And this reinvigorated Jimmy Hart, lifted his spirits, and it showed you what a kind heart he had when he coaxes a distressed Chick Donovan and welcomes him to the first family. Here's a man that we were just talking about. In his own right, he had the uh, had the nerve uh, to come out here and at least agree to talk to us about the match. Golden Boy Chick Donovan. Chick, I uh, I gotta ask you, going into that match. Uh, were you not feeling well when you went in there with Kern? Were you just not right and ready for the match? I have no excuses, Mr. Russell. As you saw it, the man beat me. One, two, three. There's no excuses. I have just been humiliated. Never in my life I would ever think that could ever happen to the Golden Boy. But it did. You saw it. Well, did he uh, at some point earlier in the match hurt you to the position where you were not able to uh, contend with him in the latter part of it? All I can say is Steve Kern is a superior, well-trained athlete, and he beat me. You know, I have been battered, tattered, and torn to the point where I think I'm just going to retire from professional wrestling. I'm going to hang my tights in an old, cold, clammy closet, putting my boots in an old suitcase somewhere in an attic where I'll never see them again, Mr. Russell. I'm just humiliated. This is Excuse a dark me. day. Excuse me. It's a dark day for me, baby. Jimmy, uh, we already seen you out here with your belt on. I guess you're sleeping with that on. Well, I, you better believe I'm taking a bath with it on if you want to know the truth. Let me tell you something, Chick. And I have to be honest. For three weeks now, man, I've been sitting back and watching you on the tube. I've been watching you out here, and I think you have the best possibility of anybody I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if you know too much about my background or not, but let me tell you something, man. I handled Paul Ellering. I turned him into a champion. Killer Carl Krupp, who was a champion. And, of course, Jerry Lawler, who I'm very disappointed in. He's through. He's has been. But let me tell you something, man. You've got a million-dollar body. You've got a Cadillac, but nobody to drive it. I want to be that driver. But Jimmy, I'm humiliated. But man, look, humiliated, look at you, though. Chick, Chick, listen to me. Look at you, man. Look at you. I'm telling you, you're a champion. You're championship material, man. You're out here with your head hanging between your legs. That makes me sick. All of my life, I've had to fight for everything. Listen to me. Everything I've ever had all my life, man, I've had to fight for. I'm making you an offer right now. You signed with Tojo Yamamoto, that fat little Jap. He's washed up. He's been washed up. He's overweight and out of date and out of shape. I'm here to stay. The family is magic. You can be magic. I can put magic into you, Chip. Let me tell you something right now. You give me a chance. You sign with Jimmy Hart, and I'll promise you, you'll be a champion. You'll be a champion. 
You know, we have a philosophy in the family. I want you got to have a little rhythm, man. Look at you. You look at the way you're dressed now. Come on, we can do it. Listen at this, baby. But I listen to him. Mom, just I listen. listen. Him, I know you listen to him, but don't listen to him. He's washed up. Listen, listen, to, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to you. Listen. We are family. Wayne, Kevin, Chick, and Jimmy. Does that sound good? Chick, hey. We are family. Sing it, baby. Yeah. Kevin, Wayne, okay. Chick, and Jimmy. What do you think, baby? See, it's magic. You can do it. Okay, I don't know about you, but that's going to be stuck in my head for the next few days. That catchy little ditty, Jimmy Hart, the former gentry, his take on We Are Family, Kevin Wayne, Chicken Jimmy. We are. Okay, that's about enough of that. Um, <laughs> and Jimmy thinks uh, so much of Chick. That uh, he actually named him vice president of the first family. Very prestigious role. Uh, let's hear that audio now. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to introduce to you now my new assistant. You know, there's a president of the first family, which is me. And now there is a vice president. Super Chick. Come here, Chick. Come on out. Come on out, Chick. Chick Donovan, who is also on crutches, looks The like first family stood by Chick when he was down, baby. Come here, baby. Okay, all right. Enough of the old home week thing here. Chick Donovan is now your vice president. He's my Come vice on. president. When do we get somebody in there to wrestle, will you please? Let me tell you, we got a group here right now, the most tenacious, the most modest duo in all of professional wrestling. Wife of Marset Salon, the Heartbreakers. Bring them on, baby. Bring them on. Here they this are. Is, uh, somebody they you are recruited. All right, look at them. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So this is the Heartbreakers oh, right here. And this is your newest find. They're going to be in the your, family, Your baby. vice president came up with a great That's right. Day. Jimmy Hart stood by this man, man. Look, at he's down. I could kick him out in the street, but I'm not kicking him out anywhere. So he's here. trouble out here. Come on, please. All right, we got a match coming up here, and let's just keep it nice and calm. We're going to keep it nice and calm. I just got a couple of things that I want to say. There's not going to be any trouble. I just want to talk for just a second to Hart and his new assistant and his new team and the whole first family. Hart, I got a couple of things I want to say to you. Now, I think you realize that you know, you have to admit, that I put you in this wrestling profession. I put you in this business. I made you my manager. But now, after all the things that's happened, I've said that I'm determined to get you out of this business. And, of course, you're determined to get me out of it. We've had a lot of things happen. You stole my crown. You put it on Paul Ellering. You deserted me. Well, I came back, and I fractured your jaw. And then you brought in all of these guys to do a number on me, and then I've broken your leg. And there's been a lot of things go down between you and I, Hart. But I want to say this. The most important thing and the main thing that you've done that people just saw on that film a while ago was you have cost me my Southern Heavyweight title. Now, I'm out of the tournament, so I'm not, I, I don't have a chance to win back my belt that you and Sullivan Affair stole from me to begin with. So I just want to make this plain right now. I want you to know, Hart, that from now on, every time that I see you, whether you're in a match that I'm in or whether I see you walking down the street or in a restaurant or in a parking lot or whatever it is, Every time that I see you from now on, I am going to beat the hell out of you. And now is no exception. 
God, Jerry. Do it outside. Hey, come on, Jerry. Hey, come on, Waller. They're crying out. Obviously, the first family did not sing for joy very long as Jerry Lawler quickly came out for revenge. And it almost seemed like every Saturday morning it was turning into almost like a like a gang turf war. And these huge brawls would break out. And by the end of it, the first family was in pretty bad shape. He had heart on crutches. He had a broken leg. Chick Donovan, his vice president, now had a broken leg. Things didn't look good for Jimmy Hart. I almost get teary-eyed as I think about this next clip, but let's go ahead and play it. Well, okay, Jim. You know, this is the first time in my life I think I've ever been lost for words. Now, don't. Uh, we started out here and heard you before, Jimmy. Good night. You come along with that. What's, what's up your sleeve now? You know what, Lance? You're, you're typical. You're typical like everybody else. Kick a man when he's down. Is that your motto? Kick him when he's down, right? Yeah. Well, let me just tell you something right now. When I was coming through the door just a few minutes ago, this little cripple lady there gave me this hat. And it said, wrestling, the king of sports. And she said, Jimmy, you are wrestling, and you are the king. And I said, sweetheart, I was the king, but no more. I'm out here to tell you, look at my man, Chick Donovan, look at this. Look at his leg. Well, that's uh, some kind of brace that he's got on that uh, knee there obviously chick out of action steve kern hurt this man's knee intentionally he tried to cripple this man for the rest of his life look at my nightmares when i was away look what happened to my nightmares danny Unmatched. davis and ted allen yes that's right you know everybody used to say danny davis he's a manager but you see what jimmy hart did jimmy hart took danny davis and ted and we put our brains and minds together and we and we turned them into a super team. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you forgot to mention, I've never seen so many crutches in my life. The hard cast, I want to bring that out. Well, let me just say this. Jerry Lawler did this to me, and that's fine, man. They've got to live with it, not me. They've the got walking to, wounded. The walking wounded. Well, I'm just here to tell you everybody this today, is that the first family, the first family of professional wrestling is through. The last casualty to the list is Kevin Sullivan and Wayne Ferris. Wait, wait Jimmy, before have, you go on, let me, I've got some uh, tape of an interview. You know you were there, and I, I would like to share with the people and let them uh, see what happened uh, in, in a particular situation. This is funny, don't you? No, I'm not saying it's funny. I just, just let me roll it. Come on, let's go. Let's go in. Let's go in. Hey, wait, wait, can we get... Yeah, wait. You did that. What's going on? What's all the hollering? I'll tell you what's going on. I'll bet. Yeah. I'll tell you what's going on. You know me 
because you're a sudden just like the rest of these jerks. When I came down here, I'm the first piece of class they ever had. The family's the only class they have in this country today. And you, just like the rest of the Southerners. Okay, let me tell you what. I don't ever mind losing a match, but we got it rurally. They took that. They didn't win. They stole everything. First of all, they had their own referee. Second, the illegal man who tagged Lola pinned me. And you know how he pinned me, Russell? Because you were there, you saw it. He took this cane from Jimmy Hart and whacked me on the head with it. You think that's fair? Well, let me tell you something. You can push some of the people around. You're not pushing me around. The South doesn't need me, and I don't need you people, because I'm going to quit right now, Russell. I'm quit. Hey. I'm quit this no. Get out of you, Sullivan. You want me to leave Guys end up losing a match and you get sore. Okay, I'm so So obviously hard is crestfallen over losing Kevin Sullivan, the hot-headed man from Massachusetts who abruptly quits and Wayne Ferris follows him on the way out. But, you know, behind every cloud, there's a silver lining, and Hart was a master of starting a promo looking like it was the worst day of his life, but by the end of it, it was the greatest day of his life, baby, because family ties ran deep in Memphis. Not only did he get cards and letters from tons of celebrities to lift his spirits, but he also got people reaching out to him, people waiting in the wings to get revenge on what Jerry Lawler had done to the family. This is the same promo, but Jimmy Hart quickly changes moods. Quitters, that's what it was. Let me tell you something, Russell. Corruption in the music business is what put me in the wrestling business, man. But let me tell everybody something right now. Eddie Marlin, you can do anything to us that you want to do, brother. You can come in here and you can find me and Chick for anything. You can have your referees trying to fix some matches on my men. And you can do whatever you want to do because I know exactly what's going on. But you'll never run Jimmy Hart out of professional wrestling because there will always be a first family in professional wrestling. I've got friends, baby, and it's pulling together. Look at these. Look at this. Can y'all guys wake up here? Get a shot of this one over here. Look who's taking this hard. Bo Derrick. Bo Derrick to Jimmy Hart. I love you. Get well. Well, baby, I am well. Look at this right down here. Clint Eastwood. He said, hang in there, baby. Hang them high. And I am hanging them high. Look at this. Jane Fonda loves me. Sally Fields. And last but not least, Reggie Jackson. But why? Because Jimmy Hart is a winner. That's exactly the reason why. But let me tell you, baby, help is on the way for the first family. Help is on the way. Come here, boys. Get a shot over here at my main man, Handsome Jimmy Valiant. I called Handsome Jimmy, and I said, Handsome Jimmy, I produced your record for you, brother. I'm the one that got you in Memphis, Tennessee. And he said, Jimbo from Mempo, I love you, darling, and I'm on my way. Look at this. Austin Idol, the universal heartthrob, the man of the hour. He said, Jimmy, he was down in Tampa, Florida, and I called him, and I said, Austin, I need you. I want you back in the family. And he said, I'll be there, brother. I'm coming. The Turk and El Toro, they're on their way. Paul Ellering, he had a little accident down in Atlanta just recently, but he's going to be well in a couple of weeks, and Paul is on his way. Look over here. Look at this. Big Joe LaDuke. What can you say about Joe LaDuke, baby? He called me and he said, Jimmy, I'm in Canada, but I'm on my way. If you need me, and I said, I do need you, brother. Look at this. The Funk Brothers are coming. Paul Ellering down here. Last but not least, Killer Carl Crew. 
He's in the Maritimes and he says, Jimmy, I'm coming back to the family. They're all coming back to the family because the family is the greatest thing to ever happen anywhere in the world. Nobody's going to run Jimmy Hart out. My nightmares are the greatest team. Chick, I'm going to be working on Chick's leg this week, brother, and he's going to be back in action. Don't you worry. Ron Bass, like he said, Ron Bass is going to be here. It took me a little bit of money to get Ron Bass, but he signed a contract with me. But right now, what I want to introduce to you people I for a right now. I aren't coming back to you in there. They just left you. Well, let me just fact, say like this, you know. Jimmy Hart, I've took every beating that I've had to go in that ring and get, brother. Everybody's dished it out, but I'm still here standing up. Sure, I've got a broke bone in my leg right now, but I ain't crying about it. Lawler broke my jaw, but I was still out here, brother. But you see, Wayne Ferris and Kevin Sullivan, I did everything that a human could possibly do for these men. But you see, they're quitters. They're losers. We don't want quitters in the first family. We want nothing but winners. Look at these people over here. You know what I'm talking about. We want winners. So if you're a chicken, stay away from us because I've got the people around me now that I want. But last but not least, I want you people to get ready because I'm going to bring a man in right now that is definitely a killer in professional wrestling. If you want to get hurt bad, baby, this is the man you bring in. So I want you to give a warm, warm welcome for this man, the killer, Bugsy McGraw. Come here, Bugsy. Come here, Bugsy, baby. We've heard all about Bugsy We've heard about the big guy, but they're talking about the first family too. They're talking about a struggle. They're talking about reality. And it's right here. It's right now. These men may be on crutches. These may, men may be down for a little while. But let me tell you something at home. On the other side of that camera, you understand? Coming to you because I'm here. Coming to you because you're sitting there with a can of beer in your hand. Sit beside your foul lady with curls in her hair. Your kids went around your apartment dropping food all over. And you got to step over with the dog left on the floor to turn on the TV to get to me, baby. And you're talking about a struggle. I'll tell you, that bad times of struggle is when a man's down. The mark of a man, the mark of genius, the mark of a warrior comes. Understand, baby? Comes. <laughs> <laughs> he comes when well, you got to fight for the depths, baby, and you can't see any light. The light's not there, but all you do is struggle. You come and struggle. You fight. You get hit in the mouth, and you punch twice as hard. Somebody kicks you in the guts, baby, and you say, do it again, because I'm coming for your blood, baby. They may call me sick. They may call me crazy. But they call me winner. It's life, baby. It's life, and I know how to live it. Can I get the microphone? You can get your mama. The family will never die. The family will live forever, and so will Jimmy Hart. And I love that with Jimmy Hart, with the crowd just jeering. And by this point, the nightmares who had been unmasked as Danny Davis and Ted Allen, their mask are back on, and Jimmy Hart screaming, the family will live forever! It'll live forever! And, uh, you know, they did. It, it, it Actually, they had a pretty good run. Uh, tremendous money run for the first family versus Jerry Lawler. Uh, they rarely used the world champion. It's kind of funny. Jarrett was going one direction in 1980 where he thought he was going to bring in all the world champions and have this program with Lawler. And then it all completely changes in 1981. And they actually had one of the best years they've ever had in the history of the promotion. Because, again, personal issues draw money.
Eventually, the WWF came calling, and um, the pop star turned manager left for New York. Uh, he made a hell of a lot more money and became a nationally known star in the business, but he never quite got over again like he did in Memphis, did he, Brian? No, he never did. And, you know, one of the interesting things I thought about was there's so many managers who you think of with a guy. You know, with Gary Hart, you think of him with maybe the spoiler or maybe the great Kabuki. With Bobby Heenan, you think of him with Nick Bockwinkle. With Jim Cornette, you think of him with the Midnight Express. With Jimmy Hart, it's really in many ways akin to a WWF manager in the sense that you think of his stable. You don't really right away go to someone from the entire run of the first family in Memphis and think of Jimmy Hart and this person. It's always Jimmy Hart and this group, and it's an ever-changing group. And I think that really goes to the strength of Jimmy Hart, not just as a heel manager, but really as the main heel foil for the babyface for five years. People who don't include Jimmy Hart in the top five managers of all time have never seen his work in Memphis. And just going through some of these clips, just reinforce, it's just incredible. I mean, the guy was so entertaining, but you still just absolutely hated his guts. And it just made the Memphis TV program, I think, the most entertaining in the nation. Well, Brian, I think that wraps up another edition of Kentucky Fried Wrestling, which is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please leave us a positive rating. To download Kentucky Fried Wrestling directly or access our RSS feed, please visit kfrpod.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Trav Scott Bowden. And you can find me on Facebook. I've got all kinds of great content there at Kentucky Fried Wrestling. And for Brian Last, this is Scott Bowden signing off. We'll see you next week on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. The announcers on this program are selected and paid by parties other than this station, namely the promoters of Championship Wrestling.